Welcome everyone to All About Windows Phone Insight, podcast 249, recording this on 21st of March 2018. Uh, Rafe Blanford has got the week off. Uh, we did do a recording quite late last week, so I'll have him back next week. In the meantime, I wanted to get on a friend of the podcast, Matt Lacey. Hi, Matt. Hi again, Steve. Hello again, everyone. Yes, and I want to get you on specifically because you've got a new book coming out. and This is not just an opportunity for you to plug it, but it's also directly relevant to mobile interfaces and so forth. We'll come to that in a moment, Matt, but uh, just a few up- updates. First of all, what are you using as your main smartphone at the moment? Um, my main smartphone, well, as of yesterday, or until yesterday, was a um, Wiley Fox Pro. No, Wiley Fox Swift. Got you excited there. There's the Swift, um, uh-huh. but it's dying, so I'm going to replace it with something. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of tempted by an S9, but um, I don't want to go to the Samsung dark side, so we'll see. It's a pretty bright dark side, and I speak as someone who owns an S9. And it's, it's, it's kind of the you know the phone that has just about everything from the Lumias and uh, Nokia phones we liked in the past, all the features, including the Qi charging and headphone jack and stereo speakers and a really great camera and all of that. A variable aperture. Do you remember the Nokia N86 back in the day? That's it's got dual aperture as well. So I know the S9 is a lot of money, but it it it. It probably is the the best jumping point, as I said on the last podcast, for someone who's really been steeped in sort of Nokia hardware of the past. This is really solidly made. Put it in a good case, and you've basically got everything apart from you know Windows Ten. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm torn between that and uh, the Pixel Two, which has just come down in price because obviously because there's probably a new Pixel coming very soon. Um, so it's it's a toss up at the moment. Yeah. So your main Windows phone is kind of on the side, Lumia what nine fifty. 950XL, yeah, it still gets daily use, but um, it doesn't have yeah. my main SIM in it. Yeah. Um, do you run with two or three SIMs like I do? Uh, yes. Uh, I have one, one, one which I pay and one which is a topped-up pay-as-you-go thing just to stop yeah. me spending crazy amounts. Yeah, I, I I kind of think it's a good thing that many of us do have two SIMs so we can have two smartphones on the go because there's still no one perfect phone, despite how much I might rave about the new S9. Um, there's no one perfect phone, and it, this way you can play with different options and have them both side by side in parallel. It's the only real genuine way to compare phones is to have them both in your one in the left pocket one in the right pocket and use try and use them both for everything and see how they they perform uh yeah it's it's definitely something i've i've done for many years i, you know, I used to but back many years ago i used to force myself to occasionally use a, a a feature phone on a regular basis just because that's what a lot of people were still using at the time just to be familiar with that experience that that real people have, not people who carry around lots and lots of phones. <laughs> I even keep a couple of iPhones in the cupboard. They're probably the old iPhones that have been abandoned by my family. Um, but it's handy just to pick one of those up and just to play again with uh, what people are now using, iOS 10, iOS 11, and the, the latest iPhone experience. It doesn't seem to have changed that much, to be honest, since about 2010 in the iPhone world, and I think that's due for a, a big refresh. Maybe we'll come to that later in uh, talking about your book and your uh, particular specialism. Um, at the creators update uh, phones belatedly got their March update last, last week's podcast we chatted about the, the imminent arrival I think it was up to, the gears were spinning as we were recording with Rafe 
um, the March uh, security updates and the, the PDF reading fix for Edge that was rolling out. And that's now been applied to the Creators Update phones as well. So basically anyone, Matt, for on from on, no, Lumia 940 onwards. And of course, people who've uh, hacked their 730s, 830s, 9, um, 930s uh, up, that they can all take part. And they've all got updates coming in, but that will stop next month for the anniversary update uh, anyway do go update if you're listening to this um, in settings uh, update and security uh, and check for updates because I think most of you will have something of interest and yes I will do a story on the site about uh, people who are still stock anniversary, anniversary update with links to the various uh, tutorials on how to somehow get your phones onto a newer branch and therefore get an extra year of updates because it's well worth it um, changing topics, Matt, a friend of yours, Richard Castle, um, has updated and finally, 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 finally produced an open beta of Podcast Lounge. I'm assuming you're a fan of this. I, I am a fan. I still use the, the Silverlight version, or I have been using the Silverlight version even even after all these years. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing the, the beta in its current state. I saw it about a year ago not being critical of anything um and it was you know it, it was in the state it was in at the time and hopefully it's progressed since then yes it's much much slicker now um that i would say there's a couple of minor tweaks i think he needs to do and i'm hoping that the open beta will encourage people to provide enough feedback that he can really you know polish it to 100 percent. but uh, even as it is i would say it's my currently my favorite uh pod catching tool on windows 10 mobile and given that grover pro was already pretty impressive i think that's a praise enough for podcast lounge and to be fair to richard i mean this is hugely delayed but he has got a private life and a personal life as have we all and i don't think we should criticize anyone for, for having that real life get in the way of uh what is for him you know kind of a hobbyist project but uh we do wish him well in finishing it off absolutely yeah um now i didn't write an editorial called modern times why replaceable batteries went away and this is kind of interesting matt we, we you and i have been through numerous smartphones some with sealed battery arrangements some with replaceable batteries and i still stand stand that, that ideally every phone should have a replaceable battery if only something you know undo a couple of screws and you could swap it out when the battery gets tired but i can absolutely see the arguments the other way and my my core contention is editorial um is the fact that even if a phone had a user replaceable battery it was often really really hard to actually get a genuine re- swap new battery so often you get um, sideswiped by people selling clones and, and batteries that have been on the shelf for two years. It's very, very hard in reality to try and get that, you know, that second battery that you can keep for swapping in. Very hard. Uh, yeah, the, there isn't the the margin in them for a retailer, I think, to keep stocking them. And so it's a, it becomes a, a hard product to sell and it's a, something you'd have to st- store for a long time potentially before you sell it. So I can understand why people don't want to sell them. I understand all the arguments from your article. There's one thing which I thought of which wasn't covered in your article, I don't think, and that was about the, the rules about replacing batteries and the disposal of them. Um, because there are, you can't obviously just put a, a battery into a landfill um, and there were laws in various parts of the world about how you dispose of batteries. And I wondered if manufacturers became culpable if batteries are getting disposed in ways they shouldn't. Um, and that as another factor, which is potentially interest, impl- or influencing what happens with um, whether batteries can be replaced or removed or not. That is an interesting point. All of my old batteries, they're currently in, my, in, a, in a drawer in my in my desk. And I, I guess at some point I'm going to have to do something with them. Uh, is there somewhere you can actually take batteries? Do you know in the UK? Is there particular shops that collect old lithium-ion batteries? Do you know? 
So in in the UK, there are a number of places you can take them. In addition to um, recycling centres, I know um, lots of the supermarkets take them. They have special bins to collect them. Um, Wilco collects them as well. I think um, some of the hardware retailers do as well. But, but those are those you're talking about um, consumer batteries like AA's. You can AAs. you can you can dispose of these batteries that way as well, as far as I'm aware. You can dispose okay. of them with AAA because it's the same chemicals inside them and it's the same right. same issues with them leaking into the soil that they want to avoid. Okay. okay. But most of my phones, though, um, with sealed batteries, do end up just being recycled to other family members. And, of course, then it's not my problem anymore. But I do hope that <laughs> at least some of them do think about responsibly getting rid of the phone in the fullness of time. Maybe, maybe we just haven't got, an, got enough years on for that to be a problem yet. Uh, one uh, editorial I put up today as we're recording this, um, application fill chart. Basically, I wanted to look at the different uh, application genres across the smartphone world and how well or how badly Windows 10 Mobile was doing in terms of UWP applications. It's not that healthy a picture, but my, my contention really was that if you just used your, say, your Lumia 950 mat or my Idle 4 Pro in daily life, we, we get by. It does all the smartphone basics and we get to stay in touch with the world. Um, but in terms of first-party applications, and especially in terms of gaming, in terms of uh, uh, internet shopping and paying for stuff, there are some huge shortfalls should you want to go down that route. And I, I guess you'd agree that uh, in 2018, people are going to want to do more of that sort of thing, so that shortfall will only get bigger and bigger. I think it's. I think no one's going to be surprised that the way it's going is that if you're still using Windows Mobile, you're going to have less access to apps and functionality going forward um, from third parties um, it, it's not a surprise it's totally expected it's it's sad in terms of the the memories and the, the fondness we have for the platform but the, the realities of life are, are moving this way so if you were to use your lumia 950 xl as your main smartphone for say one week and nothing you didn't know i took away all your other phones matt how would you cope would you be sort of 99 percent there would you be tearing your hair out at the end of the week how would you do um i i think i would be fine i would you know between the email the browser whatsapp facebook twitter i think i'd cope with most things I've, i'm having a, a time off mobile gaming so that's not going to affect me at the moment um you know the camera's perfectly good enough um you'd say it's amazing um <laughs> especially compared to what I had before. I don't think there's anything I'd miss out on and you know the browser is the answer to everything. Isn't it? Yeah. Well well there we go, you see. You can you can manage with Windows ten mobile. But I, I guess the point is that because Android and iOS are so readily available and in Android's case at all different price points, then people might well think, Well, why carry on using Windows ten mobile if I can get the same and more for less money? and a reasonable price on, for example, Android, uh, like with your Wiley Fox Swift, uh, um, which was a cracking phone, really, for, what, £100, just over £100? Um, about that, yeah. Yeah, so there's there's so many options there. Anyway, do do have your say, listener, on the app, application fill chart. Let us know what your use case demands and whether, how well or how badly you'd manage. Um, uh, now, on to the main event. Uh, you You are writing, or have written, I'm not quite sure of the status, a book. What's the title and how far have you got along with it? So the, the title of the book is Usability Matters. It's a book for developers about building mobile applications, but it has no code. Um, so it's it's it was originally going to be about all the things developers need to know that isn't code, but we kind of, that was still a massive topic. And so we kind of filtered it down to this idea of usability. 
Um, the current status is it is almost finished. It is going through final um, copy editing and um, proofreading um, and should be available for in print in uh, a couple of months. Um, it's available in its incomplete state um, in an, an ebook format, but that will be updated as and when the, the final version becomes available. So we've got a book that's being released like software, really. This is like, like version one beta, and there will be a version two and version three coming along. So if people grab the ebook now, do they have to pay for it now, and how do they get update? Um, so yes, you'd pay for it now. Um, ebooks are released uh, approximately monthly. You'll get an email which says, "Hey, there's a new version," um, or if you've um, if you've got it um, linked, you can link your account to like Dropbox or something, and it'll automatically download the new version. Um, if you want to do it that way as well. Um, so yes, it's like um, it's a bit like software in that there's an early version. Um, there's kind of a couple of benefits to that. One, it proves that it's something people actually want to buy, and you know that we've had lots of sales in advance has been really good for that. And also, it provides an opportunity to give feedback while the book's being written. Um, so that's helped me improve the book, and that means everyone gets a better version in the end, hopefully. Yeah, I'm slightly wary of the fact that say I've re- I've I've read the first six chapters and you release a version two. How do I know which bits you've been added, have been tweaked, added, and changed? Is there some kind of change log for 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 readers? So there is an, uh, you know, details about what gets changed in each update. Um, at the moment, it's you know from now it'll be very minor things. Um, nothing of any any kind of notes going to get changed at this late stage. Yeah. So so it's obviously for developers, which is fair enough. And maybe most people listening to this won't be developers, but it does give you an, a great sort of expertise, really, in terms of mobile interfaces and usability across the different platforms. So I've been saying on recent podcasts that much as we've, you know, the, there is an app gap for Windows 10 Mobile, that the interface, the the principles behind the layout, the typography, and the applications, I, I, I just still genuinely prefer on Windows 10 Mobile to either iOS or Android, but I welcome your input here because, of course, you are the expert. Um, so I think with, with Windows Phone and then with Windows Mobile, the guidelines were much stricter and people um, stuck to them more rigidly. There wasn't a, a desire from people building apps for Windows phones to be as creative and try new things and sort of push boundaries so that everything looked and felt more consistent. Um, when you've got a platform like Android or iOS where there are many more apps um, and you have bigger brands wanting to make a stronger impression on the, the device experience, things get uh, changed and customized so you know you get more variation. I think the that Windows phones were updated more consistently. I know we can debate that. Um, than compared with something like Android, where there are still lots of people using very old versions of Android and getting very different visual experiences. It's led to apps which are less consistent across the whole of the platform. So what about uh, the iPhone and iOS then? Because that's when people think of smartphone, even though iPhone's actually got a fairly small market share, people think of that first and foremost. But uh, I guess that that counts as quite consistent. Um, the iPhone, yes, I would say is generally more consistent than, than Android. Um, that it has such a it's so good at upgrading devices and getting everyone onto the latest version means there's a, a greater level of consistency um the thing against it is the number of apps that are in the store and people wanting to try and stand out and be a bit different um and so you do see people try new things some of that's been really positive and has encouraged some some new innovation um other times it's it's less beneficial and, and less good 
What? Where do you stand on something that was uh, kind of uh, ridiculed two or three years ago, and that was skeuomorphism, whereby applications are made to mimic their real-world counterparts? I mean, I, I was actually a huge fan of this. For example, I, I play the guitar, so you, you get guitar tuner applications, and the best, the better applications are designed to look like the real guitar tuner that you might buy in the shops with the little fake leds and <laughs> light up on the screen and buttons you pushed which obviously are just touchscreen targets but um, or calculators where it's made to look like a real hp calculator and you would use it as if it was one despite the fact that it's just a a display on a screen i i was a huge fan of skeuomorphism but again what what's your view does it help a platform an interface or does it hinder so skeuomorphism is a, an idea which has got kind of skewed somewhat so the idea of skeuomorphism it, is it looks and behaves like the real world version of it yeah yeah um however that's got confused with artificial realism so <laughs> if you look at the if you look at the calculator on windows phone okay okay it's basically the same as a calculator you'd have might have on your desk or have had on your desk in the past as a standalone device you know, the layout is similar the functionality is similar and that's skeuomorphism making it look like an actual device as well that's something more and that's kind of artificial realism um that i don't think is beneficial it can be a, a novelty um and it can be appealing in that respect but that's not skeuomorphism uh, okay, so what Apple were doing and where they were ridiculed at the time was they were going into for artificial realism. They were going too far, making it you know, with plush leather textures and so forth. Whereas that, yeah, yeah that's too far. Okay, I rather liked it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I appreciate if every single application had its own sort of furry backgrounds and leather and, and um, fake fake cardboard and all the rest of it i think the interface would get too much but for certain applications i think it it just adds a novelty it adds a acuteness it adds a you know a quality that that makes you enjoy the application you wouldn't don't want to use it in microsoft office all day long but when you boot up a calculator and it looks like a casio calculator from the 1980s complete with fake plastic i think that would help things uh I think it was beneficial at the time. So if we think of something like a button on screen, you know, we know what a physical button on a keyboard looks like. You, you press it and it goes down. And buttons, when they were first put on screens, both on PCs and on mobile devices, looked a bit like that. Um, but we learned that the way we interact with software and we, the way we interact with items on the screen has changed. So we know we can touch things. They don't have to look like something we can touch in the real world to know we can touch it and interact with it. And so you have those differences as well. I think things like books... When people were first adjusting to using books on an electronic device, having some of those affordances and behaviours and visuals, which looked more like a, a real physical book, helped. You know, the the page transition as you turn the page and you have yeah. that animation. It was a nice effect, but people learned that, you know, I don't need that. I know how to read a book on a device. I know how to read content on a device. I don't need that artificial um, artificial behaviour and that influence to try and make me think it's a book. Right, so so skeuomorphism in itself is is helping you understand the application, uh, and in in the context of the real world equivalents. But but the artificial realism is going too far to something we don't actually need anymore. That's a good way. Of, um, what about swiping? Um, I mentioned this because the iPhone ten, for example, you got a swipe from the bottom for for going to the home and then the multitasking carousel on windows 10 mobile you swipe from the bottom to bring back the navigation control i quite often run my apps with no controls on the screen on the galaxy s9 i've got here there's a mode you can switch into to switch it into what i call windows 10 mobile world uh, mode where the again the controls are hidden most of the time and you bring them back as you need them 
the Nokia N9 back in the day was famous for having swipes, I think, from all four different directions to do four different things. But uh, what, where do you stand in terms of taps, swipes, and is there one you know, best way, one standard here? So I, I'm reluctant to give advice on what I think is the best because that's very much my personal opinion. Um, the thing about swipes and hidden gestures is that generally they're hard to discover. So if you're going to use something like that in an app, it should be consistent with what the other apps on the device do. So if I so I have apps, um, I've used apps on um, the iPhone where you access the menu by swiping down from the top. The problem is that swiping down from the top also brings down system UI. Yeah. Or swiping from the bottom also brings. And when you when you get in the way of those things and try and combine the two, that's when problems occur. Um, I, I I think in terms of there being system UI swiping from the sides and things, um, you shouldn't interfere with that. Um, but people are very you know happy with you know, scrolling content by swiping and sliding or sliding left to right to, to discover things. Um, just make sure that's not the only way to discover something or people will never find functionality. Yeah, I can't think of any examples in Windows 10 Mobile in the interface where people literally wouldn't discover functionality. Maybe a sort of a very, very slim three dots menu at the bottom of an application pane where unless you're looking closely, you might not even see it if they've if the developer has minimized it. Um on the on the iPhone, famously, they had for for many versions they've had this thing where you can swipe to the side to go back, you know, as a given that the iPhone doesn't have a back control. So they put in a swipe gesture and, you know, about one percent of people know about it or use it. Um, the 3D Touch, famously, I mean, I've, I'm sure you've been following this, but in the iPhone, they introduced this, what, two years ago in the iPhone world, and somebody surveyed 100 iPhone users, and something like 98 of them didn't, didn't even know their phone had 3D Touch, that they could long press, this, you know, they could press the screen in physically to do extra things. So I, I think that's that's maybe good examples of where something's got to be absolutely out front and standardized and shouted about from the rooftop so that it becomes the people know about it and in the iphone's case i think they did a particularly bad job i I think that's probably true of all platforms and not just the iphone um so i'm gonna i'm gonna call you back to something you said where you you thought that everything was discoverable okay and i would probably (laughs) argue i'd probably argue that that's based on your experience so the one the most important piece of advice i would give to any developer is to add analytics to your app to track what people are doing, what functionality they're using. Because the only way you're really going to know if people are using things is if you've got some stats on it. So we, we can say, yeah, everything's discoverable. Of course, you'd swipe this way, that way, and long press and hard press. Um, but in the real world, are people using that functionality? Do they know? Um, and the way to, to find out is to track it. Um, so that's the most important thing developers can do to understand what people are using within their app. Yeah, I'm just you know, looking- If they're not, if you have that functionality, but people aren't using it, then then maybe you want to make it more obvious, or maybe you want to remove it. Yeah, I'm just looking at um, Podcast Lounge 2 now as just an, uh, an example of a good application that conforms to U- the UWP guidelines. Hamburger menu is all pretty obvious. I think most pe- people are used to tapping on hamburger menu icons. Um, the three dots menu really is very, very slim here, so you have to have uh, eagle eyesight to spot that and know that it pops up extra options um richard's put in long presses on if you long press on a lot of things it brings up a context sensitive menu i think that's probably quite discoverable i think the applicant within applications i think the the developers are doing a good job i would call out microsoft perhaps and this is something that windows phone and windows 10 mobile has had for ages which is that you can if you long press the back 
navigation control, you get to the multitasking menu. And I find that really useful. But I, I would suspect that well over half Windows Phone, Windows to Mobile users don't know that. And, and that's a really useful way of getting around. I suspect all our listeners know. but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yes, it, it's possible that, um, that, that people aren't as familiar with all the functionality that's there. It's, you know, we'd be guessing at numbers. Um, and unfortunately, that means they're missing out on the experience. Um, you know, it, it is a useful feature. Um, you know, off the top of my head, I can't, I can't imagine how to make that clearer, um, or what we, or what anyone would do now to add that into to Windows Mobile um, or Windows 10 on mobile. Um, it's one of those things you need to teach people or let them discover it. And um, people aren't fans of the, the introductory tutorial, and they just skip through them. So it's a it's a it's a tricky one to to resolve for everybody. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when I set up a, a Windows 10 mobile phone, which oh, I've done a fair few. I should know most of the sequence by now, but at no point there does it tell you about the long press on the back control. I can't remember ever, ever anything popping up on any of my phone screens telling me that. So, I, I guess if you didn't read sites like AWP, um, then you really would be stuffed in that regard. You'll just be discovering it by accident one day and thinking, "Oh, that's interesting." Much as the iPhone users, even today in 2018, are swiping up from the bottom of the screen accidentally and seeing a, a control panel come up, thinking, "Oh, I didn't know that was there," and so on. <laughs> it's, it's rather a shame, really. Yeah. In, in back in my day, you know, back in the 1990s, everything came with a manual, and I know nobody used to read the manual, but at least it was there, and they could read the first couple of chapters. Um, and it would introduce the various concepts of the interface and teach them how to use their product that they spent all their money on to best effect. These days, nothing comes with a manual and just, just relies on experimentation and trial and error. And part of me longs for the old days here. Um, manuals manuals had their place, certainly. And I think that, that nobody read the manual was very much a cultural thing because there are um, there are countries where it was the, the practice very much that you everyone read the manual before they used anything. And, and so that they were useful. Um, from a developer perspective, it's always helpful if you have a manual because then you can tell people off when they ask you silly questions. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's you know, in an ideal world, you wouldn't need a manual. But as as apps and platforms get more sophisticated, you have to put the functionality somewhere, and it's, it can't all be front and center. Yeah, I do think if every if every product, uh, let's say a smartphone, you you open the box and. The, you quite often get quick start guides, but that usually just involves this is how to put your SIM card in or your micro SD. This is how to to reset it if something goes wrong. And then here's the the, the support thing if the thing breaks. Um, I would have liked liked to see like twenty twenty things to read, the twenty top tips, for example, and that those twenty would encompass basic navigational gestures to help you get the most from the user interface from that phone. And in Windows Ten Mobile's case, that one of them would would be long press the back control and oh. They're all with the applications I've got running. I can switch to them with a tap, and I think that would be something that that should be rather mentioned more. But there we go. It's something that used to happen. I remember seeing inserts and things with you know top tip guides in in devices in the past. Yeah. Um, it's not something I've seen more recently. I'm guessing it's a you know it's an it's an expense that could be shaved or something which people weren't actually looking at or you know if you put that information in the box and then people still ask that question online all the time then it's proof that people weren't reading it anyway it's a shame really because part of me earning a living used to be writing quick start guides for phones and i don't get much of a job doing that anymore but uh yeah i'd I'd like to see that come back but surely for the sake of 50p 50p extra printing in the box it would really transform how easily people got up that first learning curve well that's just my 
So you do the modern equivalent now, don't you, which is just writing it on the, the website and so people can read it that way. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just old school, but but there we go. Um, so in terms of your book, Matt, it's not really for general listeners, but I, I gather people can read the first chapter or so for free so they can at least get a feel for it and they can have a look to the chapter listing. So where can people find it online? Um, so it's published by Manning. You can go to manning.com and it's linked from there or you can go to my website to go to mrlac.com slash book. Uh, there's a discount code there as well and links and things um it's primarily aimed at developers but i say it's really for anyone who's creating software um if if you're just curious about software and you read it you'll probably come away going all these apps doing loads of things i don't want and you'll have loads of suggestions for how the apps you use can be improved which may or may not make you popular um it may or may not leave you very frustrated with a lot of the apps you use as well I guess when you learn how they better. <laughs> I guess it's priced for developers as well. Um, I, I don't have any say in the pricing of it. Um, that's up to the publisher. Um, but it's it's pub it's priced like a computing book is priced. Yeah, yeah. I think it was about twenty thirty pounds on on Amazon. I saw the price, but I'm not sure that was a final price because clearly the book is still it being finalised itself. So uh, yeah, try Manning.com and go from there, and you can. Well, you go go to my website. There's forty percent off there. I think. Oh, top tip, top tip. <laughs> thanks for coming on, Matt. We'll we'll catch up with you in a few months' time. Uh, thanks for having me back, Steve. So thanks for listening to the AAWP podcast. Mr. Rafe Blandford will hopefully be back next week and uh, tune in next time. Mm-hmm.